Good evening, everybody. Do you have your worksheets from last week? If not, there are some back there uh, on the, well, they're supposed to be. I didn't look to make sure, but I trust Tina. See, I can trust Tina, can't I? Who needs the worksheet? Ah, there's Doc. You got some help passing them out? We're in Colossians, second chapter. I want to thank Billy for doing a bang-up job last week. I hope he didn't bang too many of you up too bad, but it was a it was a bang-up job. I really appreciate Billy taking class for me and, and sound like he had some great discussion. I enjoyed listening to it. So, And uh, you know when you listen to something like that, you go, man, I miss being there. I wish I could have been here. Oh, by the way, uh, on that, I know... You're not the entire congregation, but maybe word can spread from you guys. Uh, Debbie and I have a very unique opportunity. A very generous family member of hers has said she wants to go to Israel and take us with her and pay our way. I don't know how many of you have heard this, but yeah, really. I'm, I'm going, we're going, and I don't know if we could pass up a chance like this. And then our daughter Jamie heard about it, and she said, well, I want to go. And she found out what the rates were, and she said, those are the best rates I've seen in years. So she cabbaged on to going, and now she's taking our grandson Liam. And guess who else? Gary and Juice are going on this trip because it, it's a very good rate. And we're going with uh, a minister from Indiana who's heading it up, and the guide we'll have over there is... He's uh, an Israeli, and he is a believer, and he is ex-military from the Israeli army. So we got a lot of things uh, to, uh, we're excited about. We're going to see a lot of places in Israel. I'll probably write about it and put it in the bulletin so you can see all the places we'll go. And I might have something to say about it all when I get back. So uh, pray for us. It's, it's exciting to think about traveling overseas anywhere, but especially to Israel and seeing what's over there. I I've been mesmerized by people who have gone and come back and made presentations about that. So I'm I'm hoping to put you to sleep. I'm in mesmerize you when I get back with the presentations. Probably be it's great too. This is a great time to go technology wise because you got your your camera in your pocket and you can take a million pictures and videos. And uh, I, that's why I bought extra memory for this phone when I got it. So anyway, that being said. The Sunday class on 1 Samuel probably won't start until I get back. I got to thinking about it, and if I start the class on the 11th and then I'm gone the 18th and 25th, it would be silly to start the class and then not have the next class until three weeks later. So probably won't start that until the end of the month, Lord willing. So uh, Mike will have the Mark class on Sunday morning in here. That will be a great class to attend. And then Wednesday night, Bobby will have the class that uh, um, angels and demons, what can, is not interesting about that? And we'll proceed from there afterwards. So thank you for your kind uh, forbearance with me being gone that time. I, f- I feel bad being gone for two weeks. I've never been gone two weeks in a row before. It's kind of weird thinking about that. But, but that's not what you're here for tonight. We're here to talk about Colossians. So let's go to Colossians chapter 2, pick up on the, the worksheet number 4. What we need to do for that is read verses 16 to 15. Who will read for us Colossians 2, 6, 6 to 15? Yes. Bring back a rock. If it's perfectly legal. I don't mean travel alongside the road. Right? Walk up the hill and get a rock off the top. 
If they don't arrest you, bring it back. I, I didn't. I brought one back from Haiti. I don't know if I ever showed you that rock I got, but it was, it was, uh, I used it last week when I spoke down at, uh, more central. It's a, it's a rock about the size of a, two softballs if you kind of flatten them out. Uh, now I'm onto that story and you want me to finish the story. Uh, we did mission work for about 10 days in uh, Tomazo, Haiti. There's a, uh, orphanage there. And Tomazo is a little town, little village. And the mission, the, uh, the orphanage is a couple miles outside of town. The mayor of Tomazo said, yes, you can build your orphanage there, but I have one stipulation outside the wall of your orphanage because everything has to be walled and you have to have guards at night anyway. It was walled. But outside the wall, you have to have a water spigot for the people that live in the canyon above where you're going to build because you go a couple miles up there and there's people that live in that canyon and they are as poverty-stricken as poverty can be. They have nothing. Visit with one lady in her little shack. It was a hovel. If you could imagine going to a garbage dump and picking up pieces of cardboard and, and plastic and sticks, and you put that together with twine and baling wire, and then you cover it with whatever you can. That's what she lived in. So it was, it was really something. And every day, however, they come out of that canyon with whatever bottles they can find. They bring whatever laundry they have. They do their laundry. It's just a pipe coming out of the ground with it, like a garden hose spigot on it. And that's what they have for water. That's their water source. And they walk literally a couple of miles to get to it every day. And they get water and they take it back to where they're living and they wash their clothes and they spread their, their wet laundry out over the thorn bushes that are there because that's all that's there is thorn bushes. Pretty arid place. And we walked up that canyon to visit them. And on the way, it's a, it's a nice wide trail, but it's got all these rocks in it. And it just occurred to me, it's a lot of work stepping around those rocks. If I was going up and down this trail every day, I would kick a few of those rocks out of the way every day, and by the end of the week, you'd have a nice, clean path to follow. And I don't know why they didn't do that. I didn't ask them. So I brought back one of those rocks to remind me, take the rocks out of your way when you can. It's a good thing to remember, and I remember those folks in Haiti, and I think, man, how life, how much would your life change if you just moved these rocks out of your way? And maybe they're so so desperate and so poverty-stricken, they, they don't really care to do that anymore. Whatever the reason, that's why I brought the rock back. And, of course, I'm coming through customs, and the guy opens my bag, and he's pulling everything out, and he pulls out that rock, and he's like, you got a rock in your bag. <laughs> he was going to throw it away. No, 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 don't throw that rock away. That's a rock. Yeah, it's a rock. It's my rock. Put it back in there. And he, and he did. He didn't confiscate it. So if I can bring a rock back, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Probably a smaller rock than that one, though. Oh. All right, uh, need a reader for chapter 2 of Colossians 6 to 15. Who will do that? Any takers? All right, Corey. Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority, and him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. 
having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Very good. Thank you, Corey. 15, sorry. That's all right. Oh, man. You read an extra verse. I did. Yeah, you really messed up bad. <laughs> so has Paul ever been to this congregation? You ever been to Colossae? No. He's not been there. He hasn't looked on their face. Who's with him when he's writing this letter? Do you remember from chapter 1, verse 1? Timothy is. And it may be that he's adding Timothy because there are other people there with him, but he's, he's adding Timothy's name up front, perhaps because as his mentor, he's having Timothy be involved in the writing of this letter. What do you think we should say, Timothy? What, what topic should we discuss? Obviously, he's being guided by the Holy Spirit. We believe this is an inspired writing. But maybe in... The Holy Spirit's inspiration, he said, bring Timothy on board. This will be good for him to know what some things need to be said to a congregation. And why would they write to this congregation? What seemed to be some of the in, interior, interior, the, the built-in uh, reasons? Did you catch any of them? Yes, there, there's deception going on, and he's encouraging them not to be deceived, not to be led away from the gospel that they have heard. By the way, from whom have they heard the gospel according to chapter 1? Remember that guy's name? Nobody has that name today that I know of. Go back to chapter 1 and look at verse 7. Just as you learned it, learned the gospel from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is faithful. Fellow bondservant means he's in prison too with him. Just as he... Uh, Where am I here? Our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So Epaphras has been there. He's taught the Colossians, and now he's come back, and he's making a report to Paul about this congregation, and apparently he's the one informing him that there are things going on there by which people are being led astray, and so they're sitting down to write this letter. All right, the first question on the worksheet, number four, what does it mean to walk in Christ? Because he, he uses that phraseology. Okay, to, to live in Christ? To walk in life, have fellowship with Christ. To walk in Christ, have fellowship with him. All right. Very good. Any other input on that? What does it mean to walk in Christ? Bud? Uh, I was in the military, and it was called lockstep. You, so when you walked in somebody else's steps, that we were right in front of you. Right. You were stepping where they stepped. Right. And you stayed in time with what they were doing. Of course, it was it was what they called a lock step. In other words, everybody's everybody's feet hit the ground at the same time. But and you would hear, live, but live, live, that's right. Did you have a guy on? Yes. Guy on was the shortest guy in the unit. 
Right. Path, you know, so they're following you. Good illustration. Not because they necessarily want to be better than you, but because you you told them to follow you, and they are obedient to that following. Right. Paul. So he was baptized, we're baptized, that's how we enter into the relationship with him. And then after that we do try to do the things that he did and obey the things that he said. We've got that four letter thing that's for the past couple of decades we've heard, it's really good. Remember the four letters? Yeah, what would Jesus do? That gets to the heart. It speaks to the heart, in my uh, opinion, uh, about walking with Christ. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus think? If we start to, to pattern our thinking and our behavior after what we see in Christ, then we are walking with Christ. Right. And it's, it's daunting to think about that until until you get in a situation where someone you love is in trouble and you want to help them and you find yourself helping them sacrificially because you, you care about them so much. And then you find, oh, this, this is what it means to care about someone as Christ would care about someone. And, okay? Jesus wants to be about his father's His mission was to come and offer himself as a perfect sacrifice and then to take away the sin of the world. So can we walk as he did or can we fall in the concept? We can't be like Christ, but we can't be exactly like him. Right. Of our humanness. But then I thought, yes, we can. We can sacrifice ourselves. We sacrifice ourselves every day and, and, and to walk with Jesus as we like. So I don't know it's kind of Yes, no. Well, we're all in a different situation, so to speak. What was God's will for Moses? Lead Israel. You be the leader of Israel. What was God's will for the rich man that asked him about being saved? Sell everything you've got, give it to the poor. Right? What was his will for Peter after the resurrection, what did he ask him to do, tell him to do, instruct him to do three times? Feed my sheep. So every time you, you see Jesus interacting with someone personally, he's giving them something to do. And sometimes for us, it's by example, because he's not going to tell you specifically, this is, here's your note for what to do today. No, you don't get that. But we know how to behave like Christ behaved. We know how to love and to care and to be honest. We know how to give 100% when we've, we've got a job to do, somebody's paying you to do a job. Give 100%, do everything you can within reason to, to fulfill your obligations. Always show yourself honorable. Always show yourself kind and, and caring and obedient and law-abiding. What else could you add to that? You just add it to there, bud. Whenever they, uh, he fed the 5,000 with what, three, three, two loaves or three loaves and the fish. They didn't argue about uh that's not enough when it was presented. So we we have to trust that God is not going to ask us to do something that we can't do. We might be reluctant 
we might say, well, uh, I just don't see that much here. But no, just do what He told you to do, and that way you are obedient to His will. And so, remember that. You know, right. God doesn't God doesn't put us in a hard bind just to see if we can get out. Amen. And He didn't assign us the responsibility of comparing ourselves with each other. Don't be looking at somebody else's life and going, how come my life isn't like her? How come I'm going to do like her? No. You look at Jesus all the time. Don't look at somebody else's marriage. Why am I married like her? Why are my kids like her kids? No. Stop doing that junk. Because it's junk. You live your life before God as God has given it to you. You make the best decisions you can that you think you most like Christ. And, and then you'll be doing what Paul's talking about here, walking Christ. So... But it's, it's a temptation to look at everybody else. Right. Don't do it. It'll be easier when you get old like me. And you don't care what other people are doing. <laughs> You're supposed to imitate Christ. Put on Christ and imitate Him. The second part of your question is there are going to be established, instructed, and grounded in the truth as Christ. You know, when He said, Father, forgive them, and they don't know what they do, He was telling us, imitate me, because people are going to do things to us, and we're going to have to forgive them. And sometimes they, they may intentionally hurt us, and sometimes they might not know they are hurting us. But yet we'll still should forgive and, and to know his will. What, what's his will for me today? Well, well, I don't know until I start living today, and then I'll find myself in situations. And in every situation, you can kind of figure out, well, what would, what would Jesus have me to do right now and here? And sometimes what he would have you to do is your homework. Finish your homework. Sometimes what he would have you to do is go on break and, and use your break time to, to reinvigorate yourself so when you get back in there, you can do the job right. Sometimes it's, oh, I hate to say this one, stay relatively close to the speed limit. Uh, it, it just depends on whatever circumstance you're in. You've you got to think, okay, what would Jesus have me do? Because there's not a situation where Jesus doesn't care about what you're doing. Every circumstance in which we find ourselves in life from day to day, he's, he's there. And it's not like he's demanding you do this or do that. It's just he's he's the shepherd. And he guides the sheep where he wants the sheep to be, really where he needs the sheep to be. Because think about this. People didn't have sheep because it was fun. People had sheep because they made a living off the sheep. And that's that's not to say that Jesus is make a living off us. But he finds us useful. And he, he leads us to green pastures. And one of the things about sheep is if you move a flock of sheep through a pasture... They're going to fertilize that pasture, and they're going to eat some plants that probably shouldn't be there in the first place. That pasture is going to be better if they're being led by a good shepherd than if they hadn't been there. Charles? Oh, I, um, if the Lord had wanted to, he could have made us all machines. Instead of flesh and blood, we could be made of steel and aluminum, and we could all do exactly the same thing every day, all the time. Right. But he wanted us to have free will, and he wanted us to all be different. We're all the same, but we're all different. And I like that we all serve in a slightly different way. Exactly. There's no two people that serve in the same way, not even identical twins. Right on. Right on. That's a 70s reference, by the way. All right, the words, what words, what uh, what words or phrases are used to describe their progression of growth? 
They're walking in Christ and they are growing, but what words does Paul use to describe that? Did you get any? What's that? Built up. Okay, there's one phrase. Firmly rooted. Firmly rooted in what? In the word, in the truth. Stick. What does it mean to be firmly rooted? You come along and you say, yeah, but you need, you need this book in addition to the Bible. No, I'm firmly rooted in the Bible. I know that's the word of God and I'm sticking with that. Or here's a philosophy over here. Have you considered these Eastern philosophies that are so refreshing? No, I'm firmly rooted in the gospel. Don? These people were, they, they were really, they had a lot of stuff they were doing. They were worshiping angels. Working their way to heaven, trying to do works of the law, they were mixing a bunch of stuff. So he's trying to he's trying to point to you don't have that as much trouble with that. He's trying to point them to Christ. Now, other religions that want to talk to Mary, they might want to read this, you know, and say, Oh no, I don't need to be talking to Mary. I need to be walking walking the Father through Christ. I need to be in Christ. He's trying to look at the centrality. Right. Now in our situation the only thing I see that I do sometimes, and I don't know if others had that trouble too, is, is he said, you know, he went ahead and went ahead and made 16. You know, don't let anybody judge you in festivals. And, you know, so they were into, into the works thing. I don't think we have trouble with knowing, and it's, it's about Christ. We don't have trouble with Mary. We don't have trouble with asceticism and things like that. But we may have trouble with our motives trying to be good enough to go to heaven rather than our trust is in Christ, you know. Right. Christ crucified. It's, it's walking in the light of Him and trusting in Him that, that he, he promised that if we're walking in the light, if we're confessing our sins, He's going to save us. He's going to, you know, those that are already in Christ. If we're walking with Him, being open and honest with ourselves, so we're going to be open and honest with God, that's our self, you know, that's how our sins are forgiven. It's not a work being good enough, but sometimes I think it's really easy for me to fall into the trap of going do you, do you think sometimes we overthink things any at all? It really does come down to Jesus Christ. Who is he? And what does he mean to me? And why do I do what I do with regard to Jesus Christ? And Christ, don't turn away. Don't let somebody pull you away. Right. Your holidays or whatever. <clears throat> you're already established. You're talking about rooted. You know, be rooted. You're not going to move. You're not going to sway. <coughs> Hold to what you've heard is the truth. Stick, Stick to, to it. it. Jane? So, a couple of things have said. If you're rooted in Christ, if you've got that foundation, that system where you have, you're not going to be moved, and you have fully put on Christ, then it's almost how you naturally act and not something you necessarily have to think about. It, in, the, in the New King James Version that I'm reading, the next section is called Not Legalism but Christ. And it makes me think of you know, why we have tens of thousands of words in the Old Testament of every possible rule <coughs> that somebody might break that might be a sin. But that, that, that doesn't matter if you live for Christ like life. You're humble. You help others. You love your fellow man worship God, you be good. Right. Because if you are, then the other things don't matter. 
you will always choose to be that way. And then sin is going to come and attempt you to not be that way. And that, to me, when it says you be the root, have that establishment, that bonding, is that you are the tree. You, yeah, that's what you choose. It's just what you are. It's not, that's, it's not you know, the, the two angels in our own shoulders competing with each other in your mind. No, you don't, you don't have any of that. Because decisions that need to be made have already been made. Yeah. And that, but that's part of your maturing, and that's, that's what he's talking about here. Walk in Christ, and then he talks about being firmly rooted and established, and what are some of the other words? Instructed, built up, which implies it, it's ongoing, being built up, always being built up. And, and this, is, this is our life. We're learning every day, and we're making decisions every day. And some of those decisions, do you have to make, don't raise your hand. Do you have to make a decision on Sunday morning whether or not you come and worship God? I'm, I'm asking that kind of rhetorically because I'm thinking that most of you here on Wednesday night, you don't have to think about that. We're, well, yeah, duh, we're going. It's like that. Sunday morning, we're going to be at worship. Yeah. That's that's just the thing that you do. You don't wake up or go to bed Saturday night. Yeah, do I want to go to church tomorrow? I don't know. It's going to be a nice day. I could fish. I could golf. I could lay in bed. Oh, man. It's going to be rainy. It'd be a great day to lay in the bed. No, you've already made the decision probably years ago. You're going to be it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because that's the law. Why? Because you're walking in Christ. You're firmly rooted in Christ. Am I going to be faithful to my wife? Well, duh. Of course. I'm firmly rooted in my marriage. I'm firmly rooted in what God says about that. Am I going to be faithful to my job? Am I going to give 100% or I'm, I'm going to sneak around and try to... I had a I had a guy I worked with years ago, several of them in the military, but this, this wasn't in the military, and he spent more time hiding from work than if he'd have just worked. The day goes by so much faster and easier if you just work. Just do what you're there for. And, man, it's, it's so much better. But, but people, they, they're not rooted and grounded in that. They're rooted and grounded in laziness. Have to go. We get to. That's, that's right. That's the point. It's, and when we read our Bible every day, I don't care we sit here in Bible class all you want to, but until you read this and look at yourself and see what you're doing, and whether it complies with what God tells you to do, that's what it boils down to. When I was a little girl, I had nightmares because I stepped in the middle of a snake one day, barefooted. <laughs> and ever since then, I had nightmares about snakes being around my bed. My mother told me one day, she said, if you would be good during the day, you wouldn't have nightmares. <laughs> well, I went to bed at night and I would lay there and I'd think, Dear Lord, did I do anything bad today? You know, well, I don't have that nightmare now. I think I'm married. <laughs> no, but I don't have that nightmare now. I grew up and grew out of that. But still, every night when I lay down, I talk to my God and I say, Did I do anything wrong, Lord? If I did, forgive me. And what he, what he thinks about us is what makes all the difference in our hearts and our minds. Did I see a hand to Paul? The comment on um, 
going to church every Sunday, I didn't realize until this pandemic how integral part of my life going to church was. Like, that's my clock. That's how I set my days. Like, I know what day of the week is, how many days it's from Sunday. I didn't realize how important it was in that sense until we couldn't go. I've never not gone to church for that long, ever. So just a side note on that. But um, as far as, you know, nothing is in the Bible arbitrarily. It's Amen. not there by accident. It's not there. It, it is no guided by the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why it's in there. There's a, just like every other book. There's a reason why Colossians is in there, and we see, even if we don't see it in our own church, we be guarded. But we see it in plenty of other churches. I mean, how many denominations do we have now? Because people are not paying attention to this. They are being held captive by ideas, and it's perpetuated by the great deceiver. If he can make you miss just by that much, that's okay. Now, you don't need to be baptized. Yeah, just miss by this much. That's okay. I'll take your soul anyways. Just miss by that much. You don't have to miss the whole thing. You know, Just miss by that much. That's all he needs. It, it keeps coming back to, are you listening to the Lord? Or are you listening to somebody else's religious philosophy or take on, on the Bible. When, when Peter wrote about Paul, he said there are some things that Paul wrote that are hard to understand, which some people, what did he say they do? They twist them to their own destruction. And that's apparently what's, what's happening here. Go back and let's, let's read that. I want you to see it. Right. And that's, that's a scary thing, too. But I, I would like to think that everything we teach, we teach with the greatest of intentions so that nobody could ever um, accuse us on the basis of our intentions. Because you know, we, we do things wrong. We think things wrong. Do you think everything in the Bible just like I think? Probably not. How, in the, how could we possibly do that? So either one of us or both of us is, is wrong. It might be both of us. But... Is that how you judge your children? Do you get your grandchildren around? You, you, old, call, you old geezers, that's what Mike, Mike called us. You get, you get your grandchildren around and say, okay, uh, who can figure out this math problem? Oh, you got it. Oh, so you're a smart one. You're a stupid. What's wrong with you? No, you don't do that unless you're something twisted and weird about you. I'd smack you if I thought you did that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. But I would want to. <laughs> Because you don't treat your children and your grandchildren like that. And God doesn't either. He loves us. And, and we're, we're trying to come to him. I really appreciate what Paul said on Mars Hill. That we might grope after him is the English word that's there. And it's an accurate translation. We're always groping for God. Trying to figure, well, Lord, what do you want? I don't know. I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. I'm immature. I'm fleshly. I'm selfish. I'm small. I'm petty. What else am I? Don't tell me. I know. And you're the same. But we're trying to, trying to have God in our lives. And that's where faith comes in. When you finally go back to the instructions, you, you, I think I'm going to use this as a sermon illustration some Sunday morning. I, I might do it this Sunday. I don't know. Just ask for two volunteers to come up. And during the sermon, I'm going to put this little shelf unit together. But for the first five minutes, you can't use the instructions. Well, if you're an engineer, you don't need to. Right. Okay. You're the volunteer. <laughs>
uh, uh, they're written in Chinese. <laughs> anyway, it sometimes it really helps. Here we are, Second uh, Peter chapter three, um, verse fifteen. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Take a look at that. According to what? According to the wisdom given him. So Paul is writing from wisdom given him, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. So Paul is writing from the wisdom given him, but still there are some things that are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable, unstable. Somebody who's unstable is somebody who is not grounded and rooted in the truth. Somebody who's not been built up. Somebody who's not been edified. That's what Paul is talking about here in Colossians. But the unstable... What do they do? They distort them as they do also the rest of the scriptures. There's a scary part to their own destruction. When we were created, given free will, and God's there, Jesus is there, in the creation world, nothing was created without him. And then you say, don't do this, or you will die. Can you imagine? If I had to pronounce a death sentence on one of my children. Right. And, and, and that's what has had to happen. Because you didn't listen. And then to have to come and clean the mess up and set the example and to die because of the love. Right. And I just, how can we even begin to understand it's so overwhelming until we come back to like what you talked about at the beginning of the class? It's just, we've got to keep it simple. And, and, and do what God says and, and, and follow his example and, and not twist or pervert or anything but just earnestly follow and grow and we become rigid in the word and then we don't we're not sweating <clears throat> talking about lazy I gotta tell this story I'm sorry I gotta tell this story Jamie was working as an engineer down mission in Arbor and they had motion sensors on all the lanes and one of them just had a constant motion because if you're moving, you're working. If you're not moving, you're not working. This guy had taken the motion sensor and put it up in a front of a fan. <laughs> and he's talking about that guy that did everything. He yeah. worked harder about trying to get out of work than he did. He just really? his work. That's pretty genius. <laughs> yeah. I'm write that idea down. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the way some people are. Yeah. And, and his boss probably did not say, that's really ingenious of you. She was his boss. Oh, you were his boss. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask what you said. Well, so they were a man down device because we worked with big industrial boilers. And it was got too hot, something you passed out in between equipment, you, you know, if you're down 15 minutes, you could potentially die. And so yeah. I was trying to impress upon them, I don't want to call your spouse and tell them you die. Right. Wear this device. So, so that was not to keep track of your employees to no, make sure they no, were. No, 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 it, it was it was, it was safety. 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 Yeah. They, they, man, I, you know, I got to shake my pants when I go to the bathroom. Who <laughs> parking the bathroom? <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, it, it was it was meant to help, but it ended up being a hinder. And so, yeah. Get it. So that's what I said. Please don't die. Oh, by the way, Billy, don't feel bad. You said you only got three questions covered. We we haven't even got past the first one tonight. I'm sorry, but you had a. It says talks about being overflowing with gratitude. 
if we come to realize what Christ has really done for us, we be happy in the fact that we're grounded, we're rooted, we're established in Christ. We should be. And we should be overflowing with that fact when we tell somebody else, you need to know Christ. I saw a sign when I was down in Florida a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. It said, try Christ. If not, Satan will take you back. <laughs> but you're, you're exactly right. In, in our culture, we have it so good. We are so prosperous. Our, our physical needs, for the most part, I mean, there are people who don't have them. People who are poor in our culture have more than a lot of rich people do in other cultures. But we get this idea that everything is, is fine and we're fine and we have rights and we're protected by law. But as far as God's concerned, what we deserve is death. By virtue of our sin, we are sinners and we deserve death. And God says, I don't want that for you, but I'm God. I'm obligated to be just and justice demands that I put you to death. So what will I do? I will allow my son to die in your place. And then if you'll put your faith in my son, I will count you as righteous. That's a deal. That is an eternal deal. There's nothing like that. There's nothing that even begins to compare with that. Everybody's impressed. Oh, you're getting an all-expense-paid trip to Israel? Yeah, so what? I mean, I don't mean so what in the sense that I'm not grateful for that. But when you compare that to what Jesus has done, it's like, oh. He came in the flesh, and he lived among us for 33 years. And he didn't live as a king, though he was a king. He didn't live as a lord, though he was lord. He lived as a working man's son. And then he did his ministry for three years, being demeaned and castigated and contradicted and confronted on nearly every page of the Gospels. And then he gave his life asking God to forgive those who were putting him to death. And so that's how much God wants to save us. Even me and even you, after we realize who we really are. So, i got to quit preaching and get on with this class. Number five, describe the danger noted of philosophy, empty deception, the traditions of men, and elementary principles of the world. What's the danger? If, if you look at the text, Billy hit it. The words are being taken captive. Being taken captive. That's, in war, that's one of the scariest things is to be taken prisoner. It's one thing to die in war. Well, I'll give my life for my country, but I don't want to be a prisoner. Bad things happen to prisoners in war. And bad things happen to people who are taken captive by false ideas. Because you live the lie, and then you die in that lie, potentially. Number six. What two, there's two of them, two two-word phrases are used repeatedly in verses 9 to 13. Anybody get those? One of them? In Christ is one. What's another one? It's similar. It, look at it. Uh, nine, it's nine to, what did I say, 13? In him is one. And then when you get down a little farther, you start saying, with him, with him, in him and with him. It, it's interesting that 
it's, it's kind of a subtle translation or transition. If you're if you're in Christ, then you wind up being with Christ. What what an honorable place to have to be with Christ. When the Hebrew writers started the book, he talked about Jesus who ascended to Father and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. And Jesus is bringing us to sit with him. We are with Christ. We're in him and we are with him. Number seven, what things can you identify that take place in or with Christ? And I didn't give you enough space, but what are some of those things? You can just go right down those verses. What's in number nine? In Christ, what does that mean? In Christ, he's totally God. That's what that means. He's totally God. And you are baptized into him and walking in him. You're walking in God. It's not religion. It's God. You're walking in that. Verse 10, in him, what's happened? You're made complete. You weren't complete before, but now you're complete. And so he's going to hang on to you. He has made you complete. Verse 11. This one is is a takeoff from the shadow of the law that was circumcision. Circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of what? Body of flesh. Circumcision under the covenant was a sign of the covenant. That's that's pretty personal. That's pretty intimate. God does this one. You don't have to get a rabbi. God does this one, and he does it for all of us. Takes our sin away. Verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism... In which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. That's interesting what he says here about baptism. We're we're raised up through faith in what? In the working of God. What work is God doing? He's taking away your sin. He's putting his Holy Spirit in you. He's making you a new creature. Paul wrote, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature, a new creation. I'm a new creation. I know you're looking at me thinking, no, you're not, Marty. But I am. I'm a new creation. The outward man's perishing, but what's happened to the inward man? He's being renewed day by day. So is yours. So is yours. I saw a hand. It's it's a, it's an unspeakable gift. How do you describe how how great that is to be made a child of God by means of His Spirit, Paul? Here we have Wednesday night crowds, so you know you got people that are devoted and have studied. A lot of us have been Christians for a long time, but if I was going to try to compare it to something using modern 
times to explain what I would say to the person is, you're in a courtroom, there's a judge, you got a lawyer, and you're the criminal. You are, you are, you are condemned, okay? You are guilty. Everybody knows you're guilty, okay? You're just waiting on sentencing, okay? And, and what I would say to them is, the judge who has earned his place there, who is rightfully the judge, who is deciding on your fate, is saying, because of your attorney, because of what he's done, you're not only, you, you don't have to pay the debt, you don't have to go to prison, I'm also going to make you a judge instantly. You are now a judge, and you're actually going to judge angels in the next world. I'm going to give you the status, I'm going to give you all this stuff, you don't have to earn it. All you have to do is believe in your attorney. And what does any judge make his judgment based on? Makes it based on law. There's, there is a law. And when he makes us a judge, because I've thought about that. He makes me a judge. I'm, I'm not qualified to judge. Well, yeah, I am. If, if, if he says, here are the parameters of, of your judgment, Marty, and he lays down his word, oh, okay, there it is. Whatever he calls on us to do, he will show us how to do it. And you'll be able to. <laughs> he doesn't give you a job that he doesn't equip you how to do that job. That's what he calls on the church to do. That's what we're looking at Sunday morning. Equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And it's so that we, we aren't tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's what's happening in Colossae. They're being tossed to and fro by these winds of doctrine. And he's saying, you need to be firmly rooted in Christ, established, built, stand. How many bells? We just had one bell. So I have like 10 seconds probably. Anyway, uh, so next week, and now my mind is clouded and I can't think about next week. Next week is the first Wednesday in September, but Lord willing, we'll continue this class through next Wednesday because it, it would be awkward to change the Wednesday night quarter and not do the Sunday morning quarter. So if, uh, if you guys are okay with it, we'll come back and we'll look at Colossians again. Bobby will start his Wednesday night class. Is the 14th a Wednesday? That's the number that sticks in my mind. So, okay, that's when Bobby will start his class, and, and Lord willing, we will do this one on Wednesdays until then. We'll, we'll do a little bit more. Maybe I won't be so slow next week. Bless your hearts. Thank you.